Well, hello, teachers, and welcome to another episode of the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast. This is a bonus episode. We have been with you so much in May. It has been a blast. I've been loving these topics. I know. This is so much fun. It's Jessica here, guys, and I'm going to give fair warning. We are recording this. It's 1.30 in California, and my two-year-old daughter may wake up any second, so <laughs> you might hear her in the background. No problem. My, Bob has the dogs, and I'm like, do not come in this room. I'm recording. And he's like, wait, so you're telling me I can't eat lunch? I'm like, that's exactly what I'm <laughs> Oh, poor Bob. <laughs> I know. I need, I work in the kitchen. My desk is in and the kitchen, so. I'm literally sitting in bed right now, yeah. like with my lunch stuff all around me, working from home, fun times. That's what it is. All right. Yeah. Anyways, let's get into this, uh, this, I almost just said this lesson, this oh, episode. Such a teacher. Such a teacher. We're going to be talking about how to organize your curriculum for maximum learning. I'm loving these topics that we're going to share, like strategies, tips that we're going to share with you guys. Can, you Can I just say like organization, like makes my heart happy. Like if I ever get a chance to like, I'm going to clean out the closet today. I'm like, yes, I get to do that. Or like watch the home edit, any of those organizational shows, like bring it on. So this is a great topic. It's so funny. Cause I'm, I'm organized in theory, mm-hmm. but Bob, my husband, called me a slob the other day because I like won't put my clothes away in my room, in our room. My closet is in <laughs> our room and his closet is in the other room because our closets are so tiny. We're in California. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I just like throw my clothes on the bed or on like a pillow in the corner. Does everyone have, anyone have like that chair or that corner? In your oh my room? God, Caitlin, I'm going to like turn my computer so she can see the chair full of stuff sitting That's on it. That It's Same. horrible. <laughs> Yeah. I need a cleaning organization day. We need to take these tips from this episode and apply them to our clothes in our room. There we go. (laughs) All right. Before we dive into the episode though, I want to remind you to hit subscribe on that subscribe button, wherever you're listening to the podcast. And then again, we'd love to invite you to leave us a review. It means so much to us. It also really helps us reach other teachers and broaden our audience as well with our content and ideas. So it means a lot to us for numerous reasons. Okay, let's dive into the episode. You want to get things started with the very first tip? Yes, I love this tip. Again, if you have been listening to the podcast for a while, you've probably heard us talk about this, but it's a good reminder. So if you want to organize your planning, your curriculum to get the maximum results, we believe it starts with batch planning. When you batch plan, it means you're sitting down and you're mapping out your content for a set period of time. You know, by the time Caitlin and I had been doing it for a while, we were doing it for our entire year. We recommend starting with one unit, or if you want to challenge yourself a bit more up to like 90 days. And the reason this helps you organize everything is because you have a game plan for your curriculum. You know, what's happening on any given day and you can plan accordingly for that. So it's like your roadmap, your recipe of sorts that you're following. So you know what to do. You know, what's expected of your students. You know, what standards you're going to hit what assessments you're going to give, and it makes your teaching and your lessons so much more intentional. Yeah. And because you're organizing everything with batch planning, you're now able to put your curriculum, wherever your reading units are, and we'll talk about more specifically your writing units, et cetera, into specific times throughout the year to maximize that learning, right? We're we're going to want to increase the levels of complexity of the text that our students are reading throughout the course of the year. We're not going to start the year off with argumentative writing and counterclaims if our students don't know a darn thing about claims or literary analysis. And so when we sit down to batch plan, that allows us to really spend the time to intentionally think about 
where literally everything is going. It's like setting ourselves up with, um, and what am I trying to say? Like for like the Super Bowl, right? If we're going into the Super Bowl, we're going to spend a ton of time at practice studying the other team, knowing what we need to do. You know, how are we going to get the maximum results against this team? We're going to spend time prepping beforehand. And I think that's what a lot of us miss. And that's what causes a lot of stress is we don't have like this system. We don't have this process for planning in the way that we need to for the rest, for the entire school year. To, to right. Well, because we were never taught it in our no. education classes. Like the one thing so frustrating. we all been taught. If there was yes, that they should have taught us, it was what a real lesson plan is and how to actually lesson plan. A hundred percent. We actually have an event coming up for our EV teachers. We have batch planning live on June 30th and July 1st, where we, we sit with our teachers for two days and we map out their year together. And what we always tell them, this is really the, the second tip today, but we always tell them, start with your big units in mind. Know when you're teaching certain novels, like Caitlin talked about earlier, know when you are doing certain writing units, because that way you can build off of them. So we want to dive deeper into this and share some examples with you. So you have a clear picture of this. You want to start with writing and then I'll talk Absolutely. about Absolutely. Okay. I would love to. <laughs> so again, we tell our EB teachers, we're going to map out our writing units, right? So we know we need to cover narrative writing, argumentative writing, persuasive, expository. Am I missing anything off the top of my head? I mean, I know there's like five different types of expository writing, so I could get into it, but that's what we're going to plan out first. Now, Caitlin and I strongly, strongly believe you want to start off the year with narrative writing. It's approachable. It's a quick, usually like three week unit. We get to know our students. We get to see their writing style. It's not intimidating for them, right? They can produce a really strong piece of writing fairly quickly. So we say the first few weeks of school, narrative writing. But as we batch plan for that, we are looking at our calendar and seeing, okay, when can I spiral in some review activities for narrative writing? So the way we teach narrative writing, it's through mini lessons. And so we've taught our students leads and transitions and endings and dynamic vocabulary, et cetera, right? So when I batch plan, I'm going to say, okay, when can I do a quick review on leads and have my students only write some leads for a narrative, not a full narrative later on in the year, just a lead. Or let's practice writing strong dynamic vocabulary. I might have them write a lead and a quick body paragraph for another narrative. So I'm building in review consistently throughout my year with narrative writing. And then I look back on my calendar and I say, okay, what type of writing am I going to do next? Now, if you're an EB teacher, you know, we say Mm -hmm. it all goes down to the EB writing approach, right? That's our foundation for literary analysis, because we believe all the other writing units are built on that approach. So we pencil that into our plans. And again, spiral in activities throughout the year. So our students are consistently reviewing these concepts that are standards aligned And of course, we don't expect them to master it the first time. And that's why we're building it into our schedule. So we are batch planning and then we are mapping out our big writing units. And, you know, I would keep going with the other writing units, but you get the idea. Yeah. Yeah. And you're in our AB writing program. We actually have an entire like roadmap of what we suggest you do and the path that you can choose Mm -hmm. the order in which you teach it. Like you're not going to teach again, argumentative writing at the beginning of the year. You're going to teach analysis writing first. You're going to set the foundations with, uh, you know, practicing that throughout. And then that's probably going to come at the end of the year because it's one of the most challenging concepts that has counterpoints and all that jazz. So we're organizing all of our curriculum very intentionally in order to help our students get, you know, have those stepping stones 
of learning as they progress and get better and can do more challenging works. And I think the same thing is 100% applicable to reading as well. And I'd love to give you an example from my own eighth grade classroom as to why I chose, you know, certain books for certain times of the year. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the year, I'm not necessarily going to start off with like a super difficult text like Romeo and Juliet um, or something like uh, Night. You know, I want to be able to get to know my students better, the maturity level. Like I'm taking all of those different things into account when I am strategically organizing my curriculum. And so I actually start my year off in eighth grade with the house on Mango Street. Side note, we have a whole novel unit coming out this summer that people have been asking for. We are building it. It's on its way to you. Um, But I start the year with the house on Mango Street because they're short vignettes. It's a really interesting, easy read. It also ties in beautifully to teaching narrative writing and then EBW approach right afterwards. So it makes so much sense and marries with those two writing styles. So I'm being really, really intentional with choosing that particular text for that particular time of the year. I'm not just like, you know what, let's just do this book. No, I've spent time thinking about it. And that's going to help me again, organize my curriculum for maximum learning. And then a night, a book like night, I'm going to probably teach that at the end of eighth grade. It's a really difficult read. It's challenging just emotionally to read with students. And I want to make sure that at that point I have really strong connections and relationships with my students to read and, uh, work through that difficult text and have it be uh, meaningful to them and meaningful to us in our classroom. And so you're organizing your curriculum with a very clear reason, right? You have a reason for everything. This actually goes back to, I think one of our other episodes earlier in May, where we talked about using the standards as your guide, right? Mm -hmm. Those become like your guiding light for the decisions that you're making. So you might want to bring a book into your classroom Well, you want to think about, well, what standards am I going to address in that book? Why am I bringing this book into my classroom? And you can even look through different lenses of equity and, you know, um, uh, diversity and all of the different things that we want to make sure that we're including for our students to give them various views and voices to read throughout a school year. So I think that's how, you know, it applies to writing and reading, but this is totally applicable with spiraling as well to vocabulary, to grammar, especially you know, we are really looking intentionally at all of our different curriculums, essentially, right? Within ELA, mm-hmm. one, it seems like we have like five as ELA teachers. Um, but yeah, it makes a world of a difference for you as the teacher in terms of you've got a clear roadmap, you've got a clear system and process for what you're doing. And then it helps your students maximize their learning because they have those building blocks over time to get better as the year goes on. For sure. Um, I actually love that you brought up the house on Mango Street to teach at the beginning of the year because it ties in so perfectly with narrative writing. It's a good way to think about, you know, the organizational structure of your year. So if you are teaching that novel along with like a deep dive narrative writing unit, you can revisit the novel later on as you spiral in your writing. So I'm thinking of the vignette in that book of my name, right? And so later on in the school year, you could have students write about their own name, revisiting the novel, but practicing their narrative skills, maybe bring in certain vocabulary words that you've studied and ask them to use it in their vignette that they create themselves, tie in different grammar concepts you've covered, maybe different types of sentences. So there's so many ways to take everything that you're learning and start to spiral it into your curriculum to get maximum results. I love it. Um, So with that being said, we would love to kind of share more exciting news. I know we shared it uh, last, the last podcast episode on Tuesday, but our book is available for pre-order. Yay. Mm. (laughs) Um, So it's called the empowered ELA teacher. And that really is our goal with our book is we want you to feel empowered. It's not just 
about learning how to create rigorous and engaging lessons using our EB lesson planning approach. It's about the ripple effects of what happens to you when you are able to become that empowered ELA teacher. You know, I know a lot of us are struggling, especially right now. We're just getting through. We're just making it to the end of the year, right? It's been a tough year. There's a lot going on. Like if teaching was hard before, holy cow, teaching just got exponentially more difficult for us. Um, and so a lot of that comes down to for next year, we want to make sure that this is not repeated, you know, that this was like a one-off thing. Hopefully we never have to go through this again. But even if we do, let's say that some of us are still hybrid. Some of us are distance. We don't know what the future holds. Hopefully that won't be the case, but we want to give you the tools and the framework and the approach necessary and the system to be able to make sure that you can thrive outside of the classroom. And teaching is just a part of who you are. It's not the entirety of who you are and takes away from all of the other things in your life that make you, you. So I'd love to invite you to add your name to, I think you can actually pre-order right now. The book is available for pre-order as we speak. So if you go to ebacademics.com forward slash book, you will be able to check that out. You can pre-order it on Amazon. I think we also have it set up so you can pre-order from some indie bookstores as well. If you want to support local small bookshops. Yes, love that. Uh, I know it's Jessica's favorite. You have cute little bookstores. In I do. Um, and then in addition to that, we actually set it up where there are some awesome bonuses. We have a book club kit so that if this is a book that you want to read with your colleagues or you want to get your admin to pay for, to have you and your like team read it this summer and do a whole little book study together. Um, it's really cool. Do you want, I feel like you it's want to say something about it. So cute, you guys. Oh my gosh. We've been working on it. And I like, I wish I was in the classroom and we could do a little book club together because we've given you like a little menu that you can have. Cause we know it's all about the food and the drinks when you're having your book club, we've given you discussion questions that aren't like about the book, but about how you can apply the concepts in the book and really make a change for the better in your classroom. We've given you just fun swag in there. Like I'm excited for this book club kit. Bonus lessons. Uh, yes, we did. Okay. So I'm not going to give it all away, but get your name on that wait list and you can get that bonus lesson in the book club kit. Yes. So pre-order today, go to ebacademics.com forward slash book. And then we also set it up where there are other bonuses. If you buy two books, maybe you want to give one to your colleague. We have special bonuses for that. If you buy four books, we have special bonuses for that too. So just, we really want you to use it, but we want you to share it with other people as well, because we believe so wholeheartedly in the power of having this particular approach to lesson planning so that you can become that empowered ELA teacher. And so we're excited for you to check it out. If you do order it, send us a DM on Instagram at EB Academics so that we know we'd love to celebrate, send you like a, what are the, the, the emoji that I always send is the two uh, champagne glasses cheersing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so that being said, we will see you guys next week on the podcast. We can't wait to see you then. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye everybody.